0: Hi, this is kate flanagan head of marketing and communications for entrepreneur and today i will also be heading up the role of creative career center podcast host, speaking with rafe d'amico the president and founder of ozymandias wines Ozymandias was founded in 2013 and was a way for Rafe to marry his two great loves, wine and art, which we will talk more about today. So welcome, Rafe, and thanks for joining us. Thank
1: you for having me, Kate. I appreciate uh, you having me on the show, and it's exciting to be here.
0: Awesome. Um, So tell me about your early start in wine. I read that you grew up making wine with your family when you were a kid. So I did. I grew up
1: like many Italian Americans where wine was always present at meals, you know, even even as uh, you know, a pre teenager having a little bit of wine in the glass with some water uh, and feeling like an adult. Uh, it was just always a part of special occasions and always a part of just family gatherings and those good times and memories. Um, so that that's kind of where it all began and then you know as I got older it evolved I was born in 76 so growing up like in the 80s with those formative years seeing wine from different countries like parts of Europe and you know like even at that age when you see something that's 10 years old or something that was harvested before you were even born and you're looking at a bottle and that year seems like it was so long ago and you're talking about Italy and France and these are these faraway places across the Atlantic. It just had this way of kind of taking me through a journey to a different time in a different place. So it had that magical element to to it that has kind of always stayed with me. But that that's the the foundation that kind of is has taken me on this journey.
0: So. From childhood then to becoming an adult, and I know you have a day job in the media industry. How did eventually, 30 some years later, you decide to actually start your own wine business? Yeah, so it's
1: it's kind of crazy because it was one of those moments where I realized the only obstacle was me. I had always kind of see my my love and passion of wine as kind of like a spectator sport. And then one day it dawned on me to that I could participate, and if I wanted to, the, the question really only became, you know, why am I not doing something with wine? And then it evolved to, what will I do? What can I do? And that kind of set me on the, the idea of I have this passion for wine, I love it, I know I want to do something with it. Uh, but at the same time, Wine is kind of a rich man's game, depending on what side of the business you want to get in. It's very romantic to look at a vineyard and to visit one and say, wow, like I'd love to do this, but working in the vineyard is grueling work. It's a really long runway from a business perspective. If you're putting capital into the investment from the amount of time that you put that investment out there to when you actually get it back. If you're starting with fresh vines, it takes a few years before you even get grapes that You have to let it age for maybe 12 months, depending on what you're making, and then you bottle it, and then after some time, you sell the bottle, and you just get a little bit of your investment back at a time. So those were some big obstacles that I was kind of wrangling with, and and I had to figure out how I was going to find my niche in the wine business.
0: Yeah, and that niche is uh, the combination of wine and art. So... Or or at least one of your, your niches, I'm sure. Tell us about how art is a part of your wine business.
1: I'm sure anybody listening can think of an occasion when, you know, maybe they were visiting an art gallery and the galleries may be serving wine, or you can talk about almost any art while you're enjoying a bottle. And I think a lot of people, myself included, would argue that wine itself is an art and winemakers are are themselves artists so i i really see the the two as one but what i do with it i offer a scholarship to a student particularly at the new york academy of art it's a master's program so it's a two-year program and i, I offer a first year student a scholarship for their second year and the student who receives the scholarship also has their artwork the you know winning piece so to speak that artwork is featured on the label so it's a great way to showcase their art great way to get them some exposure and then they get funding for their second year tuition the, the endeavor is entirely 100% philanthropic in the sense where you know it's not like 10% of the proceeds go towards helping emerging artists literally every penny of revenue that comes in from the brand is then given to emerging artists in helping them in one way or another. And like you mentioned earlier, this, this isn't how I make a living. So because I'm, I'm making a living through a different means, it enables me to do this. And I figured out a way to mitigate my cost with the wine so that I'm able to put as much back into helping artists. One way that I do that is that I, I partner with vineyards. You know, it's important to me that I have quality control of the wine. I want all the wine to be estate grown, meaning the vineyard and the bottling, the storage of the wine, everything uh, that takes place with the production of the wine, the harvesting, everything is all done on a specific estate. But I don't own that estate. So you know, it's not like I had to shell out a few million dollars to get 10 acres of land and you know wait for the vines to grow. I have an amazing partner with Laurel Lake Vineyard in Long Island. It's there in the North Fork of Long Island. And the owner winemaker there, his name is Juan Sepulveda. He and I were connected through a mutual friend. And you know Juan heard the idea of what I wanted to do and the vision that I had for Ozymandias. And he fell in love with the idea, thought it was something that was worthy enough for him to partner with because they don't do any other, quote unquote, white labeling. But he really loved this idea. So you know we started working together and it's been now a few years of bottling. It's really been a great partnership.
0: And beyond just the natural cohesiveness of art and wine, what makes you passionate about providing opportunities to these emerging artists?
1: I think it's a great way to help someone who needs help. I'm not the first person to think of marrying wine and art. A lot of people do that. You look at um, Mouton, which is you know a Bordeaux, uh, one of the best Bordeaux wines out there. Similarly, they they have a a different label every year, just like Ozymandias has a different label every year. And they essentially commission a very renowned, famous artist, someone like Picasso, to to do their label. Um, Picasso actually did do a couple of labels with Mouton and and hey then that's amazing that's great that works for them it's like you've got incredibly well-known premier brand marrying with this incredibly well-known successful artist i thought it would be great to give exposure to a relatively unknown or completely unknown artist to help give exposure to their brand and i i like the idea of being hyper local at least the initial wines that i've done i've done a few outside of, of uh, New York. I did a couple uh, in Santa Barbara as well. But these initial labels have all come from New York. The artists are from New York. It's the New York Academy of Art now that I do my main partnership with. So I, I like the idea of all of that being in one big backyard, so to speak, and being connected in that way. It gives it a different and a more special meaning, I think, to not only to the school, to the artists, to the winery, but then to the people enjoying the wine. A lot of the venues where the wine is available are in the New York area. Like there's some New York and Philadelphia restaurants and wine bars that serve the wine. So from a business perspective, you want to start small. And I thought this was a good way to do that, but also create something that could yeah. scale.
0: Regarding that scholarship, I think you've had two students who have won so far, and there will be a new one chosen, I think, this fall. Tell us how that selection process works. Is it just this uh, art would look really cool on a wine bottle, or is it a little bit deeper than that?
1: Uh, well, yes, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Their art looks very cool on the bottle. And to give props to the past two scholarship recipients of the New York Academy of Art, the first uh, scholarship recipient was Mary Ball. She's an amazing artist. And to touch on the previous question of why I, I enjoy working with the emerging artists it's, it's been amazing to see Mary's work really evolve and her grow as an artist. And that's something she she absolutely would have done on her own. But to have the wine be associated with her, I think, is really cool. And besides just even showing her work on the bottle and her being able to put that on her resume, saying her work was special enough to kind of rise above her peers, I, I think that was something special. and. I, I like the idea of continuing to grow with the artist even now when Mary shows some of her work I, I will donate wine to her events uh, to a gallery opening and the second recipient jay Miriam same thing they're like her work is just amazing and she just graduated this past may and you know jay it was a really unique story because you know she she was a fairly successful artist before even going to the school she was you know featured in some galleries and uh, was selling her work, and, and now she's just blossoming even more. So it, when I saw both of their studios, because what we do is a studio tour of all the students. Um, it's usually on a couple floors at the New York Academy of Art, and I'll go around with uh, Gregory Thornberry, who's, who's been a great partner at the, at the school, and we will visit every uh, student's gallery or little studio, and we'll we'll take a look at. Of course, what is aesthetically pleasing and, um, you know, I, I try not to put too much emphasis on a marketing aspect of it, thinking, okay, well, how's this going to look on the label? Is this going to get a consumer's attention? I really try and focus on the artwork itself. And I think the key variables that I try and pinpoint with narrowing down at least the finalists in the decision-making process is, does the artist have their own style? could I recognize their their artwork in a crowded gallery full of other artists? Do they have their own voice? You obviously want to see
0: other artists that have influenced them
1: and, and see what they're trying to say. But I, I really like the idea of the artist having their own style, being able to identify their, their work amongst the crowd. And then you know, I basically narrowed down to about three finalists and then I circulate a particular piece uh, of those finalists to... Um, Some people in the art world who I respect, um, some uh, people associated with Ozymandias, whose opinions I respect. And I like involving the past scholarship recipients of Ozymandias for their opinions. So you kind of get Ozymandias club, if you will, that gets to continue having a voice. And then we, we select a winner.
0: How quick is the turnaround between you announcing the new scholarship winner on August 21st and actually distributing and getting those bottles out to the world?
1: That's always a little bit of a moving target because we bottled as recently as May. I think last year's bottling was in May. Um, This year is going to be a little later. Sometimes it depends on the particular wine or blend that we want to use. Sometimes Red wine, maybe you want to have age a little bit longer or, um, you know, white wine, even sometimes like depending on the grapes that are going to be used, if you want, you know, a little bit more oak to, to be present, you want, you want the wine to have a little bit more time in the barrels. But for this particular year, we will be doing the blend October 20th. And what's really cool about that is that for the first time, we're doing a fundraising event at the winery in Long Island. So at Laurel Lake on October 19th, we will be hosting another fundraising event. And then the next day we will be doing the blend. And what's cool about that is I always like the artist to participate in the blend. So we'll have, of course, uh, Juan will be there, the winemaker, Juan Sepulveda, Sepulveda uh, myself, um, some other people. And we blend different grapes do barrel tastings, and, and then we select the grapes uh, that we like, and we do a blind tasting. And at the end of the day, we figure out which blend will be the new Ozymandias blend.
0: Where right. can people find your wine? At restaurants? At uh, stores? Where should people look for it?
1: So the, the best place to get it is at ozymandiaswines.com, at the website. And, and we can ship to people in New York, in uh, Pennsylvania, Florida, and California. You're gonna get the best price there. And what's great about that is that the greatest percentage of that will then go back to the artist. Obviously, when a wine is being sold at a wine bar or a restaurant, they mark it up. But it is available at Tria Wine Bars in Philadelphia. Tria is great. They're, uh, they've been amazing partners for the past few years. And as long as it, if, until it sells out, it'll be available there. It's also available at Estia, which is a, a great high-end Greek restaurant in Philadelphia. And in the past, and probably continuing, it was available at Gurney's in Montauk at their restaurant there, Scarpetta, uh, as well as Da Dong, which is a gourmet Chinese restaurant in Uh, right across, right near Bryant Park in like right around midtown Manhattan. Uh, So those are some of the restaurants that are available. But like I said, ozymaniuswines.com, you can ship. And then of course, at any of the the events, when you look at, you know, if you follow the wine brand on Instagram or Facebook, you can see some of the events and some of the art galleries that we partner with. And of course, the New York Academy of Art, um, anytime they have an event, we donate the wine at no cost at all to the school
0: How did you come up with the name Ozymandias, and what's the history behind that?
1: So I'm I'm glad you asked. It comes from a poem by Percy Shelley. It's another name for Ramsay II, uh, who is considered one of the more well-known pharaohs in Egypt. And Percy Shelley was writing a poem kind of commenting on what was going on at the time. He wrote the poem in 1818, and it was kind of just talking about a modern-day empire, uh, the British Empire at the time pillaging and raiding the tombs of the empire of the past and the kind of takeaway is kind of like hey look all leaders live and die all empires come and go but the one legacy that they have left at least to me is their culture and, and their art you know i, I this, this the idea for the the marriage of of art and wine this way for me and the mission of ozymandias really uh, germinated around like you know, 2010, right around the time when we were in our Great Recession. And it was frustrating for me to see a lot of things that were going on there, but especially the fact that our government started cutting back on music programs, on art programs. And I, you know, just thought what a shame, the irony there. Here we are, we're supposed to be the greatest society of the time, you modern day empire. And isn't it a shame that when we face some adversity, the first thing we cut back on is, is what will be our legacy uh, through art and culture. Um, and then I just kind of told myself, instead of getting mad about it, do something about it. And that was the uh, seedling for the idea.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Creative Career Center podcast. It was awesome talking to you. And uh, we will definitely be spreading the word to the entrepreneur community about your events. Thank you so much, Reef.